Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WM32 Football Podcast. Uh, my name is Nelson. I am your host for today. And today we will be focusing uh, on Sheffield United and Chris Wilder. The curious case of Sheffield United today. We are trying to figure out what has happened with them. Uh, and before we get started, I'd like to also remind you uh, to please follow uh, our social medias uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, also TikTok as well. Uh, and don't forget the WM32 Football Shop has just gone live. Uh, as well so feel free to if you want any merchandise as you can see Wes is showcasing right now feel free to go on wm42football.com slash shop so the episode today we'll be talking about Chris Wilder uh, and Sheffield United uh, they currently sit bottom of the league with five points 11 points off of Burnley who are 18th right now uh, we all know last season they finished a ninth and exceeded expectations, many expectations uh, uh, when they got promoted from the championship and finished with 54 points. You can even argue that they were even competing for the Europa League spot consistently last year. But now they sit bottom. Uh, Chris Wilder's current contract ends in, uh, in 2024. Uh, and, he, and we're all wondering what's sort of happened with Sheffield United this season. So uh, Wes, uh, to get started, um, what's been your current assessment of Sheffield United this season? Um, Sheffield United this season, um, they've been a little bit... Obviously, we know that they're not performing perhaps to the levels that they set themselves last season. Um, but I think you could... There's, a, there's an argument there that Sheffield United season last season was a bit of a freak. I don't think anybody expected them to finish, you know, not even in the top half. I think 17th was probably... And, and below was probably there where people saw them. So are they actually sort of where they are in terms of where they should be, perhaps? I just think that everybody takes what they did last season. And yeah. obviously, yes, as, as a football club, you know, and, and as a team um, and everything like that, you want to build on it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think in games this season, they've not looked anywhere near... Um, like the side that we we kind of knew from last season, a lot of people fell in love with it um, with Sheffield United and with and with Chris Wilder, um, myself included. Um, so yeah, it's been difficult for them, but I think they're not as clinical um, at the top end of the pitch anymore. I think Musa being in and out of the side has been a massive miss for them. Um, but then you add to that as well, obviously, Dean Henderson going back to Manchester United um, and Jack O'Connell um, being out uh, yeah. for literally like the whole season. I think that those two, um, those two players, I think more so than Moussa, um, have, have definitely, uh, I wouldn't say killed Sheffield United, but it's definitely upset the rhythm um, of, of Sheffield United so far this season. But, you know, I think a lot of the time they are, in games, they're just not taking those big moments that, that sort of come their way. Um, you know, where last season they might nick a goal where they're under the cosh um, or, you know, the goalkeeper might make a, a save in a big moment or make a big save where, you know, whereby you think, oh, no, here we go, you're going to concede. Um, and they're under the cosh a little bit and, and Henderson would pull out a, a save or, you know, one of the back three would make a really big, big tackle at a, at a crucial time in game. So I think those have, moments have gone against um, have gone against Sheffield United this season. And obviously with Chris Wilder being their manager, we all, for those of you who don't know, uh, he's had a meteoric rise to get to where he is today as Sheffield United manager. So um, for those of you who don't know, had stints at, started at Bury, and then had stints at Oxford, Northampton, uh, and then moving on to Sheffield United. So, Wes, I wanted to get your opinion, especially focusing on Chris Wilder. What do you think about his rise to the top, being Sheffield United manager today? I, I think his rise is really, really refreshing. Um, literally, you know, coming through like Drake with this one, started from the bottom, um, <laughs> and now he's, you know, now he's here at, at the top in the Premier League. Um, I loved his interviews last season. Um, his interviews were, were really, really refreshing for me. Um, you know, I think back to um, they lost against Liverpool. I think it was a lunchtime kickoff 
um, and Henderson dropped a bit of a clangor, really. You know, there's a shot that nine times out of ten, or even nine and a half out of ten times, a goalkeeper saves it. Um, it's just gone under under Henderson and, um, you know, I think everybody's then expecting the manager to come out and almost protect and defend the player. Wilder called him out and said, look, if he wants to play for England, he's got to cut that, cut that kind of mistake out of his game. And I thought, do you know what? Fair play, because he is right. Um, and I think a lot of people then were questioning Chris Wilder going like, oh, should he be doing that? You know, could that go against him? And things like that. But, you know, Henderson then went on to, you know, become a, a bit of a mainstay in that in that Sheffield United side. And his form improved, actually, um, off the back of that. Um, I think Chris Wilder done a fantastic job um, at Northampton, um, obviously a club that's not not a million miles away from, from where I live um, and, and stuff like that, because I know for a fact he didn't have any money, like he didn't have anything... Um, you know, no money at all, um, like I said, to spend on players, uh, reports that players weren't even getting paid on time or not even getting paid at all. Um, and then he got them promoted. How? You know, the club, Northampton were literally in administration and he got them promoted. Like, that takes some doing um, just in itself. Um, again, he did, he did quite well at Oxford as well uh, with the yeah, way that yeah, they, yeah. the way that they played at that time. Um, and then obviously he left and then I think Michael Appleton came in and then really built on on what Wilder did and, and took Oxford to get, I believe, onto that, that next level. Um, but it's quite interesting because when he went in at Sheffield United, it wasn't all plain sailing to begin with. He did struggle initially. Um, and obviously Sheffield United is his club. Like he's been a fan. He's been in the stands um, and, and, and everything like that. So it's one of those, he's got an emotional attachment um, to the football club as well. So when they win, the highs are greater. But when they lose, you know, the, the lows are, again, even greater because he feels it a bit more. You know, it hurts him because obviously it's his club. Um, you know, he's then, like I said, you know, win League One with Sheffield United, things weren't going swimmingly well. But what I liked was he recognised that things weren't going well and changed and adapted. Um and then, you know, he went to that back three um, that we've become accustomed to seeing Sheffield United play. And um, I think he still believes in that now. Um, I just, he's at a point, he's at a crossroads, I think, Chris Wilder. You know, does he carry on playing with this back three that's served him so well? Or does he change and then perhaps go to a back four, get, you know, an ex get some width? Uh, higher up the pitch perhaps with a couple of wingers um, and you know does he look at perhaps changing things that way from a tactical perspective um, but I think in games he switched a little bit this season you know he's started with a back three I think there was a time uh, in the game on Sunday against Tottenham where he actually went a bit more 4-4-2 by the looks of it um, so yeah, he is one to adapt and change. Just like I say, I think at the minute he's just at a bit of a crossroads um, and, and stuff. So, you know, hopefully that will sort itself out. Um, you know, and I, I hope that Sheffield United do stick with him. Um, you know, we've seen a case of a club sticking by a manager even when they got, even when they got relegated. Um, and it's come good with Sean Dyche at Burnley. Um, obviously, uh, got into the Premier League, went down and then literally just rebuilt and, and have come back up and have been in the Premier League a good few years now. And then gradually every year just built on, you know, what they've got um, at the minute. I know they're down there again at the minute, Burnley, but I don't think there's anybody here that kind of goes, well, Burnley are in trouble. You know, Burnley are in a, a relegation dogfight or they're going to go down because I just think people kind of go, well, it's Burnley, like they're, they'll get through. They'll get through it type of yeah. thing. Um, so, yeah, I hope that, that uh, Sheffield United do stay with Chris Wilder because I do think he's a, good, he's a good manager. One of the key words that I heard you say uh, was refreshing, how Sheffield United and Chris Wilder, especially yeah. last season, were very refreshing. And you also mentioned about his flexibility of being tactical. Um, and we all know that, you know, Chris Wilder, he, 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 you know, he, he sticks with a 3-5-2, 
with the overlapping centre-backs, um, trying to create a numerical superiority when, you know, in that attacking third. Um, you being a coach yourself, um, what are so, so some of the strengths and weaknesses you've seen in uh, Chris Wilder's, in his managerial career? Um, I think, you know, overlapping centre-backs, who'd have thought it, by the way? Um, <laughs> you know, especially in a back three. Um, I remember watching them um, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, last season. It actually turned out to be uh, Pochettino's last, uh, last Premier League oh. game in charge of Tottenham. Sheffield United outplayed us that day. Like, I could not believe what I saw. Um, when you play with a back three or you play with wing backs, back three, back five, however you want to call it, usually you're, you would sacrifice something out wide. Um, and you'd, get, you'd anticipate that you'd get done 2v1s in the wide areas, but you would have the numbers in the middle part of the pitch to sort of deal with any crosses that, that do come in. I didn't see that with Sheffield United last season. Um, it was ridiculous. They were the ones that were creating the overloads in the wider areas. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, wait, this isn't right. But it's because of those overlapping centre-halves. Um, I mentioned before about O'Connell being out. And I think he's been a massive, massive miss. Um, if I look at how Sheffield United build up from the back, um, you know, they've not had... Oh, because O'Connell's left-footed, so naturally when he gets the ball, his first touch with his left foot, he takes it forwards and then he's progressing up the pitch. But because they haven't found anybody that is similar to Jack O'Connell, they're playing a right-footed center, a right-footed player on the left side. So naturally, okay, their first touch is with their left foot, but then their second touch is naturally going to bring them inside onto their stronger foot. Whereas with O'Connell, like I say, ball comes over, he takes his first touch with his left foot, right, now we're progressing up the pitch. And because they, he's quite good on the ball as well, he can play a pass, but then he's also got that licence to get forward. Um, so, yeah, I think O'Connell's been a massive miss, um, as I say, because he gives that balance, um, not only for the team, but in the structure, in the way they play. And I think if you are going to play with a back three, you have to have that left-sided centre-back as a left-footer for me, um, just because, like I say, it gives that balance um, for the for the team and for the structure, especially in that building-up phase. Um, but the thing with Sheffield United is the, their back five all came from League One. So it's, it's strange, like, OK, so essentially it's a League One back five. Obviously, now they've turned into you know half decent Premier League players that will. That if Sheffield United were to go down, you know you would think that some of them might get a move unless they really wanted to stay. Um, but that back five was with Chris Wilder and Sheffield United in League One. So actually, them being bottom of the Premier League, are we? Should we be surprised? Um, probably not. But because of how they played last year, it was. It's a bit more of a surprise to us all, um, especially before um, Project Restart. I know they, they struggled a little bit when they came back, um, saying that they did tear Tottenham apart, uh, much to my disgust. Um, but yeah, I think those, that overlapping centre-back um, thing that they had going, if you like, or that niche is now gone. I think teams have worked out how to play against Sheffield United. Um and I think because you see more teams now go into a back three or a back five, it's a bit more like team opposition know how to deal with it because they've got, you know, an, another couple of teams to reference. Um, you know, for example, if you're doing like opposition analysis on, on Sheffield United and you wanted some similarities, you might look at Wolves um, and see how they set up and, and the similarities there. Um, but yeah, I just think with O'Connell missing, um, it's, it's killed them massively, killed them massively. Um, so I'm not, listen, I'm not saying Jack O'Connell should be, you know, lauded as one of the best centre-backs in the league or, you know, he needs a call up for England or, you know, with a name like O'Connell, I'm sure he's probably got some Irish, uh, heritage in there as yeah, well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just think, I just think he's been integral to what Sheffield United have done. And they've missed him 
massively. And because he's almost the, because he's a defender, like a centre back, his first instance as well is, well, can I defend? Whereas at the minute, I think they're playing Ampadu. Um, and they certainly played Ampadu on Sunday. Whereas, okay, yes, he's on loan from Chelsea. Um, but I think Ampadu's makeup is slightly different. Like O'Connell's quite aggressive as a centre half. I think Ampadu's quite nice. And Ampadu needs that other centre back to go and lead, whereas O'Connell was that centre half. So you change that dynamic, and all of a sudden, you know, instead of, for example, if it's Harry Kane, he's thinking, oh, blimey, I've got Jack O'Connell here. I know he's going to leave one in on me the first couple of times. Um, whereas Ampadu, like I say, he's probably a nice defender to play against. Like you could ruffle him up a little bit, he's not going to give too much back. Um, but then seeing Ampadu at Leipzig, he was playing in the middle of a back three. I know he didn't play too much, but when he did play, uh, it was in the middle. Massive difference in terms of playing as a middle centre-half, as almost like a sweeper, and playing as, your, as an outer centre-half. As an outer centre-back, you've got to be comfortable to go out into those wider areas and deal with those 1v1 situations. Um, and I think O'Connell um, and even Basham have, have been you know, comfortable to do that um especially um you know over like when i look at last season even in the championship they were happy to go out wide deal with it um wait and hold that player up that has drifted out wide and then wait for those wing backs to come in and then they double up that way it's just not happened for them uh so far this season uh you mentioned cuz like i think jack o'connell's name i think was ringing throughout that yes yes it was that, yeah kind of, yeah and um, obviously, I asked about sort of strengths and weaknesses, and we know there's a lot of factors that have affected Sheffield United's yeah. performance. Season. Everyone could argue it's the second season syndrome, mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. But one thing I want to focus on, uh, as you mentioned, Jack O'Connell, because you mentioned that that whole back five uh, was part of League One, was in that mm -hmm. League One side. Um, Chris Wilder was appointed in 2016 when they were back in League One, and they pretty much think this is his fifth year in charge. And they've risen up with him. Like they've risen up as he's uh, risen up as well. So, uh, one of the factors that I want to talk about that may, you know, have affected Sheffield United this season is recruitment. Uh, so, talk to me. Here we go. Here we go. This will be talk, fun. Talk, talk, this will be fun. Yeah, talk to me about Sheffield's recruitment because, like you said, he stuck with that back five for for pretty much you say five years, and you and I, I think you mentioned at one point they haven't been able to find another player like. Jack O'Connell. So why do you think, and if I give other examples like Aston Villa, they got promoted with Sheffield last year and with their recruitment now, they're in the top half of the table. So talk to me about Sheffield United. The floor is yours. Oh, I was hoping something like this would come up. Right, let's look at Villa before I go off on one on Sheffield United. Um, Villa last season actually basically brought in a whole new squad. Um, they let a lot go. I think they let good you know, looking into double figures at least, but they had a lot of experience that they let go as well. They had Yedinak, Glenn Whelan, you know, players of, of that experience that you would think, right, we're going into the Premier League. We might need these experienced heads just to, you know, see us out in a sticky, sticky patch. Villa literally hooked, hooked a lot of players and then they supplemented it by buying a lot of younger players. Um, a few players that they had on loan, obviously brought in Tyro Mings, El Ghazi, Players like players that they knew um, as well. So, yeah, Villa's recruitment at that time, I guess, is slightly different to Sheffield United because Villa did it last season and now they're reaping the rewards. So, Villa now are getting the best out of, say, a Douglas Louise or, or you know, Esri Konza um, and players like that. But they've had them for 12 months um, previously. Where And if you look at Villa last season, they nearly went down. So Villa spent 100 million and everybody thought, oh, are they, they going to do another Fulham? You know, spend 100 odd million and go down. Um, you know, that kind of thing. But I think Villa now are just reaping the rewards. It's like, right, we've done the majority of our recruitment last season. This season, it's just about, okay, tweaking it here and there. So that's why you see an Emmy Martinez that's come in. Obviously, last season, they brought in Tom Heaton from Burnley. Um, but he got a major injury. And then they brought Pepe Reina in on loan just to cover um, and then, like I say, they've brought in Martinez this year. They've brought in Matty Cash at right back, who's been brilliant for Villa. Um, they call him the star man on the right. Um, 
and, and stuff. Ross Barkley on loan and everybody was like, oh my gosh, what a signing that is. Um, obviously, Wesley, another signing that they came in. Great first name, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he had an injury um, and then they brought in Ollie Watkins this season um, because obviously Wesley wasn't 100% fit. So, like I say, it was just about little tweaks um, with Villa. So, I think, you know, like I say, they're reaping the rewards of, of their recruitment over the last two years, if you like, or 18 months as we're at this stage. Right, Sheffield United, here we go. Um, by and large, their recruitment over the last 18 months has been shocking. It's been awful. Um, okay, they came up. I understood some signings, you know, to give you different options, like Luke Freeman last year, um, you know, was a baller in the championship. One of the most creative players, I think, in that division goes to Sheffield United and you think, okay, right, if the game's tight, we can bring him on, he can unlock a door, you know, things like that. Didn't get a look in, so you're like, okay, a bit strange. Um, you know, then they brought in, um, obviously, Henderson back on loan, massive, massive part of what they were trying to do. Obviously, he was with them in the championship um, as well. They brought in Jack Rodwell on a free, I think, this time last year interesting um you know considering jack rodwell had been out the game for a little while uh jagielka could see that the logic behind it experienced head again just to get them through any sort of sticky sticky periods um you know a decent defender in his day phil jagielka um i was i think he's there literally just to supplement what they've got um because he doesn't play too much um you know they bought in sander Berger last year and I was like, what a signing this is. How Sander Berger has ended up at Sheffield United, I don't think anybody knows. All you football manager players out there will know, <laughs> will know that Sander Berger is different quality. Like, he's different class. Um, so that was the real statement signing of Sheffield United's time last season, Sander Berger. And I was thinking, mate, I'd be on the phone. I'd, I'd want another agent, to be honest, because Sander Berger had the pick of some of Europe's elite clubs. He was he's, he was touted about that much. Um, and he's ended up at Sheffield United. So it's a real coup for the club. Um, you know, if they do go down, you'd probably anticipate that they'd definitely get their money back and, and then some on him. Um, you know, he could quite easily play, you know, in, in Europe, in a European competition for, for anybody. Um, then they bought in Restos on loan from, from Leverkusen. Didn't play, barely got a look in. So, like, it was it's strange for Sheffield United, I think, last season because they tried to do some bits and it just didn't quite work. Obviously, they bought Moussa last year that, that worked a lot for them, scored a lot of goals. Obviously, this year's not played too much. I think he's been injured quite a bit. McBurney, um, you know, good sort of championship striker at the time, bagged a lot of goals at Swansea. So, I think Sheffield United's recruitment in the summer looked on the face of it to be okay we're in the Premier League but we're just going to play it slightly safer because if we do go down we've got then a good group of players that can get us out the league January come and Sheffield United are you know top 10 they think right well let's have a go because looks like we're going to stay in the league so let's have a go that's when you buy you know we saw the sign at Sanderberg at Restos they brought in Severovic barely got a look in um, you know, I think they bought Jack Robinson as well. Um, yeah. who that's the interesting one for me, Jack Robinson, because left sided kind of player. I think he'd played at centre half when he was at Forest, but came through at Liverpool as a left back. So it was almost covering two bases with, with one sign in. So you kind of look at it and go, right, that's fairly smart. Hasn't done it like at all. Um, uh, yeah, I think he's. He's either be he's barely played, um, so it's either it's, it's down to injuries or manager doesn't quite trust him. Um, but I'd always say that Jack Robinson's more of a left back. I wouldn't say he's a wing back, and I wouldn't say he's a left sided centre back. Um, but I think they've tried, like I say, to cover cover bases there with with that particular signing. Um, and then you come into this season. And it's been an absolute shambles, like an absolute shambles. Like whoever sanctioned a deal to get Aaron Ramsdale 
for I think it was between sixteen and eighteen million. Wow. He needs their head testing because he is possible. He's the worst goalkeeper in the league, and he's up there with one of the worst that I've seen. Genuinely, he's awful. Like I, I, me being a Spurs fan, probably the worst goalkeeper that I've seen at Tottenham is Aurelio Gomez. I'm putting Aaron Ramsdale in that category, <laughs> right? Because he's absolutely awful. I mentioned before about goalkeepers producing a big save when you're under the cross. Ramsdale doesn't do that. Doesn't do it at all. Like he's awful. I don't know what stats that any scout or data analyst, recruitment analyst or whatever got from Ramsdale, just even last season with him at Bournemouth. But awful. Awful. Like he went into a fairly settled Bournemouth back line and he, and then Bournemouth went down because they were conceding too many goals. I know it probably chopped and changed because Bournemouth had a lot of injuries at the back, but that was a settled back line at Bournemouth, if you like, you know, with, with players that had established themselves as Premier League players. And they, they went down. Like, went down. Um, I know I, there was rumours, obviously, that Eddie Howe fell out with a lot of senior players at Bournemouth um, and, and stuff. So that could be why Ramsdale got his chance. Um, but how he was keeping a goalkeeper like Asmir Begovic out of out of the team, I've got no idea. But Aaron Ramsdale's awful. Um, I even had somebody trying to convince me that he was half decent. I said, mate, he's horrific. Um, yeah, I mean, if I look at um, a couple of incidents from Sunday's game, the first goal that Tottenham score, I don't know where he's going because Son in swinging corner from Son, Ramsdale's trying to come out and punch it. I, I'm telling you now, if he stays at home, he saves it. <laughs> Serge Aurier's not even the biggest player on the pitch. All right. I know you can look at that and go, well, why isn't the player Mark and Aurier getting, getting across him? But honestly, Ramsdale's trying to come out and punch it. And it's like, stay at home. If you stay at home, you save it because of where the ball ends up. But he's a good two or three yards off his line and away from from proceeding like and it, I'm just like what are you doing I think there was um one uh kick out that he tried to do he fell on his backside um as well and yeah I think there was also an incident um Son got played in behind and um he's come out he's come flying out for it and nearly gave away a penalty and I'm like like just Stay at home, please. Just stay at home again. Like you don't need to come out. Son's going absolutely nowhere. He's going away from goal. You know, yeah. you got your defender there. You know, let him let him deal with it. Honestly, Ramsdale's awful. Um, and then who whose idea was it to buy Rian Brewster for twenty four million? Again, no idea. It's almost as if Sheffield United are trying to play football manager, and they get the one gem of a sign in. But then they have five or six that are just horrific. Like, they're just bad. Um, but, yeah, Brewster, I don't... Yeah, all right, he scored... He had a really good record in the championship. One in two, I believe, um, was his was his strike rate at Swansea. Yeah. Um, so, if that's enough to sanction a £24 million move, then, geez, we're, you know, we're going into, you know, completely different times recruitment-wise and into the market then, if that's the case. Um it's it's been an interesting one. I was having a, a conversation with, with my dad about it um, and I don't think they've found, obviously with O'Connell, um, you know, not found that like for like left-footed centre-back. They've not found it with Lundstrom either because there was a lot of talk that he might move on with his contract situation. Um, so they've not found that sort of box-to-box kind of player because I think Sander Berg is more of a deeper, deep-lying playmaker. Um if you like. So he would probably replace somebody like Fleck or Norwood. Um, but I think what's happened with, with their recruitment has just been so hit and miss. It's it's ridiculous. Like Luke Freeman's now at Forest because um, he didn't get a look in. They bought him Ravel Morrison on a free. Forgot to mention him. He's now a, another free agent because he didn't cut it in, uh, in Holland. Um, listen, I'm not saying every signing has to work out for you. Um, if it did, then fantastic. But I just think that with Sheffield United's recruitment, they've got a set style and a set way of playing, yet majority of their signings haven't complemented it. Um, obviously, the strikers like uh, Moussa McBurney, you know, 
they have because they they play two up top. So you can see why they've perhaps brought in two strikers. And you got, I think they had Billy Sharp and Leon Clark um, as their front two um, at one point. So you know they're they're aging centre forwards. So you know you can see why they've done that. But yeah, I think what they've done is they've wasted a lot of money on players, and it just hasn't worked. Um, so. Yeah, their recruitment definitely needs a sort out. I'm surprised. I'm half surprised that they haven't done anything this January as of yet. Um, but given the the circumstances with the with the pandemic um, and stuff, I can again see why perhaps they haven't. Obviously, they're not getting they're not getting that match day money, that match day revenue from from fans coming in. Um, do I think they've missed their fans as well? Yes, massively. Um, so I think in games sometimes where it's been a bit tight, fans just give you that little bit of an extra boost and that extra lift just to get it over the line. So, you know, the games where they are perhaps losing a 1-0 or a 2-1, it might end up being a draw. Um, and, you know, or they see that Sheffield United are perhaps having a spell in a game where it is where they are drawing and then they get behind the team and then all of a sudden they nick a goal out of absolutely nothing. Um so, yeah, I can see, but I can see why they haven't necessarily gone gung ho at it. But at the minute, it looks like, off the face of it, that they are accepting almost that they've gone down or that they'll turn it round. Um, when in truth, they need to do a bit better with their recruitment. Um, I saw, I can see the lines of thinking perhaps with Ampadu, Bogle, and Max Lowe, um, because Chris Basham is 32, 33, I believe somewhere around there. So again, somebody that's potentially aging. So you would want against a, a bit of cover there. Um, Jaden Bogle is just sort of, I wouldn't say broke into that Sheffield United side, but he's just started to get a bit more of a regular football um, in there. Um, it was a, a, a almost like a top performer in the, in the championship for, for right fullbacks um, and a good another young English right back. We could have a, a whole 11 on those, I think. Um, and Max Lowe, again, I can understand, had, you know, a, a decent time um, at Derby. I think he also was on loan at Aberdeen as well at one point and did OK there. Um, and then with Ender Stevens being, again, sort of 32, you can, they're sort of planning for, you know, to phase him out. I think at some point it's just the case of when. But I think by and large, they've, they've spent a lot of money on players that just haven't worked. And Ramsdale and Brewster are the main two that, that spring to mind on that. You mentioned those two. Uh, just a fun fact. Uh, they spent 56 million last summer uh, and they weren't able to offload any players for a fee. Every, the rest was sold for like free transfers, loans. They weren't able to sell anybody for a transfer fee, which is remarkable. You mentioned Aaron Ramsdale as well because he was in your overrated uh, 11 in last week's episode. But yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they spent 56 million. Another fact you mentioned Dean Henderson being out. Obviously, you mentioned Aaron Ramsdale. Dean Henderson last season prevented seven to nine expected goals for Sheffield last season. They, there you go. So, that if you equate that then to points, that could be, again, the example I was saying where it could be, you know, a 1 1, where if Henderson doesn't make that save, that's probably a 2 1. Or, you know, it's this uh, a 1-0 at that time to the opposition. Henderson makes that save. And then Sheffield United perhaps may go down the other end and, and nick it and, and make it 1-1 or something like that. Whereas, oh, I could be here all day talking about how bad Aaron Ramsdale is, honestly. I just... <laughs> oh. In terms of, obviously, we, we talked about recruitment. Um, before I follow up, I'll, I think I wanted to get your, in, your, your, your opinion on you said that Sheffield United have kind of accepted that they're going to go down and maybe turn it around and rebuild next year in the championship. Um, with recruitment, obviously not, you know, being hit and miss. Uh, what do you think now that means for the academy? Do you think it's a route that Chris Wilder should take to look at, you mentioned one of the young players right, right back coming up for Sheffield United. Do you think that's a route that maybe they should look at? Because I mentioned them spending 56 million who knows if they're going to recoup that kind of money in the summer of certain players leaving. Do you think that uh, an academy route is an option to go down? Um, I think as well, probably why they haven't 
um, spent anything in this January is the fact that they didn't get anything in for the players that they sold in the summer, as you just mentioned. I think that is a massive thing because, you know, okay, you're spending 50 odd million to bring players in, but what about the ones that you need to shift? Like you've got to try and get something for those. Like even if you'd have done that in January where there's six months left on their contract, for example, you know, you might be able to roll that money over into this season's budget. Um, so, yeah, I think, like I said, they're, they're pretty ex- it looks like on the face of it, they're expected, they're expecting to go down um, and that they will rebuild in one way or another. Um, I think they'll, you know, there's some players there, unless they want to stay, you know, I think they've got a squad capable of doing okay in the championship. Um, it just depends on obviously if the players want to stay, if the agents get involved and start touting moves elsewhere. You know, I mentioned Sander Berger earlier. He would probably be the first one that they would look at and go, okay, we've gone down. Does he want to, you know, if we sell him, how much would we get for him? If we loan him out, what's the the financial ramifications of that? Um, but you know, I think if if you're if you put yourself in in the shoes of uh, another club, are there many players from the Sheffield United side that you would necessarily take a punt on and, and try and buy? Probably not. Um, yeah. So, like I say, with that, then you know they've got the nucleus of their of their squad that you know have that experience of being in the Premier League. I think you're seeing it a little bit with Norwich um, at the moment. Obviously, they didn't spend. I think they spent about. I don't even think they spent that much when they were in the Premier League last season. Went down, um, obviously sold Jamal Lewis to to Newcastle for I think about I think it was only twelve million, but he was linked to Liverpool for for twenty. Um, you know they sold Ben Godfrey for twenty two million, I believe, um, and then they've just sort of taken that financial hit of being out of the Premier League, sold a couple of players, and then just you know, had faith, kept with the manager as well, because, you know, could have could have chopped him. Um, but now they're they're up the top end of the championship again. Um, and it looks like that, again, they could get promoted. Um, I know there's obviously a long way to go um, in the season, but the way that they're, they're going at the moment, you know, they've really found some form, Norwich. So, you know, do you look at it and go, right, we would want to be a bit like Norwich or, you know, even Watford and Bournemouth kept a nucleus of, of their Premier League squads when they went down. Um, and again, they're, they're both sort of up the top end of, of the championship. Um, so you would hope then if they, if they are going to accept it, that they, they are going to go down, right, let's build for next season. Is the academy that particular route? I don't, I'm not 100% sure. Don't know if there's too many sort of young players bursting through. I think one made his debut against Palace Um recently but I think that the pal uh, the Sheffield United squad there was some I think there might have been some COVID cases or uh, as well as having a few injuries um, as, as well so that's almost why he got his chance um, but if you look at the academy at Sheffield United um, you know they have produced some players but I don't think it's been very consistent in terms of churning players out um, and I think the last one probably to come through was David Brooks, who's now at Bournemouth. Um, really, really good player. Uh, a player that I quite like as well. I think he's brilliant. Um, before then, you're probably looking at it, Harry Maguire. Um, you know, then before then, it's probably Carl Walker and, and Kyle Norton. So, um, yeah, difficult, difficult one for Sheffield United because I don't know um, if they've got the the structure there within the academy to to look to bring bring some players through um and they were halfway through the season uh i think most teams have now played 19 games uh so we're obviously heading into the second half of the season to finish off in terms of sheffield united um what do you think uh, needs to change because there's like i said they're 11 points off of 18th so Burnley, who are currently just outside the drop zone, what do you, like there's a that, that's four wins. They 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 could get four wins in the next nineteen games. But what do you think needs to change for them to potentially salvage this season? 
not head down? Um, I think the simple answer is just win more football football matches, really. <laughs> um, I think they've... Did they try and go back to basics? And did they try and go back to almost doing what they did before and do what they did that served them so well? Now, I know from a personnel perspective, as I've spoken about a lot, it might not happen. Um, so... And then if that's the case, they might just have to find a slightly different way of playing. You know, instead of perhaps having more possession in, in their third of the pitch, just go a bit more direct, cause look to cause other teams more problems. Um, I think, you know, you, there's a few cases for some, some personnel changes. Like I think McGoldrick, I think his age is catching up with him now. I think he's what, 32 um, but he looks like a striker that is that is coming towards the end of his career instead of actually he's probably got you know one two more seasons left. Um, but it looks like it's alarming how much it looks like he's coming sort of towards the end of you know it's almost like he's got a year left and then or he's just going to carry on for that extra year and then it's you know call it a day. Um, so you know. Obviously, with their in with injuries, you know, you never know who's available and who's not. Um, you know, do they try and get McBurney and Musay on the same pitch and try and forge a bit more of a partnership with those two? Which I don't think they did last season because I think it was like McGoldrick or Musay and McGoldrick or McBurney. Um, so I think it's more personnel changes rather than tactical tweaks. Um, you know, but I think you know in the I think what for Sheffield United, what they've got to try and do is just make sure that they don't go down with a record points total. Because I think that would just then be, you know, that would be written in the history books. Um, obviously, I think they're already in there for one of the longest winless runs uh, in, in the Premier League. Obviously, their only win uh, is against Newcastle. Their first actual win of the season coming against Bristol Rovers in the Cup. Um you know, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. I think that's, you know, just, I know it's a bit of a cliche, cliche, Gail cliche, but, um, you know, one one game at a time and just focus on the next game. But I think perhaps, you know, just getting back to those basics and um, even if it's just showing the players a bit of a, a motivational video on some of the stuff that they did last season, it might ignite something in them um, to be, you know, like it might just get them going again and being like, right, okay, well, we can do it because we did it last season against these opponents that we're playing now, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, look, I think Chris Wilder's always, always been positive. Um, I think he's, he strikes me as quite a positive person. Um, and of course, you know, he believes he's the man that's going to, that's going to turn it around. Um, you know, would, if it wasn't, Chris Wilder, if it wasn't the fact he's a Sheffield United fan, if it wasn't the fact he brought them up from League One, would he have gone by now? More than likely. Um, so, listen, I think the board are sticking by him. Um, you know, the players, they, they don't look like they're not playing for him. Um, I just think that they're, they're just in this bad rut and this bad run of form that they just can't seem to get out of. Um, you know, Obviously, players don't like losing games, but I think sometimes you can accept that you're going to lose, you know, a couple of games here and there. But I think it's just when it's become one, it's then gone, you know, two, three, and it's just snowballed and avalanched and just can't seem to get going again. So I think, yeah, just perhaps going back to back to basics um, and perhaps going a bit more direct might suit Sheffield, Sheffield United a bit more. Um, I know it's not what the purists kind of want. Obviously, we all want you know, lovely um, attacking football and, and things like that. But uh, as someone said to me recently, there's more than one way to, to have your stake. So, um, you know, yeah, I think that's probably that's probably what I would suggest looking at it um, from a complete outsider's point of view um, and, and stuff. Um, I was going to follow up and ask you, do you think Chris Wilder should stay or go? But I think you mentioned at one point early in the podcast, uh, that you think he's still the right man for the job, and you just mentioned that the board back him. But um, so uh, Sheffield United this season, do you think they stay or do you think they go down? I think I think they're gone. Like I look at I look at when teams concede or if they concede, um, and every time I've watched Sheffield United this season, 
when they've conceded, their heads are dropping. It's like, oh, here we go again. But, you know, when you've got Aaron Ramsdale in that, you're bound to concede quite a few, um, as Sheffield United <laughs> are finding out. Um, so, yeah, it's... But they look deflated. They don't look... There's nobody there that's kind of going, right, hey, boys, come on, come on. Like, just keep going, keep doing what we're doing um, and and whatnot. Um, there was a point in the game on Sunday uh, against Tottenham where you look, it looked like they were getting into the game, um, you know, especially... And then they nicked a goal. And then after they scored, they had the little little spell um, and sort of in and around that goal as well. Um, but they just didn't, didn't make the most of it. I think they've got to do that a bit more. Um, if they are to to stay up, it's a tough, tough ask. Um, I don't know if the gap is too much at this stage. I don't know if they're just too cut adrift um, to stay. Listen, if they do it, it's up there with you know one of the greatest escapes uh, you know from in years gone by as well. You look at Portsmouth and and West Brom. Um, you know, certainly in the Premier League, those are the main two that spring to mind from. From great escapes, even Fulham, you know, those three teams all look dead and buried. Um, and and you know, they managed to turn it around, so but they've got a massive, massive task because I think, at least with certainly Fulham, yeah, they were they were down there, but there was all there was almost something that you could hang on to, you know, that you thought, okay, they might get it. I think they recruited smartly in this January window, um, or in the January that they had before. Um, and I just, I think, you know, I'm not expecting, I wasn't expecting transfer window to be open, Sheffield United signing six players, you know, signing players left, right and centre, but very, very strange to see a club down there um, fighting relegation, cut adrift and then not addressing that particular situation. Um, very strange, but I get that it's, you know, with the season that it is, um, you know, with the loss, uh, the financial losses that clubs are incurring now, I do get it from a business perspective. But at the same time, will fans accept it? Probably not. Will Sheffield United fans accept not spending in this window? Me, if it means they go down, have a year in the Championship, and then come back up, so they have that parachute payment as well. And then they just come back up and, and almost boss the championship again. You know, that's probably a question without an answer. Um, so, yeah, but I think as a fan of, you know, if you're a football fan, you don't want to see your team go down. Of course not. Um, but if it means that perhaps potentially the club might be better in the long run, you might have to take a bit of a bit of a hit to then come back stronger. Um, as I mentioned, Burnley did it um, as well. And obviously now they've been taken over because I think, I think as well, if Burnley were a bit of a yo-yo club, um, like for example, West Brom been uh, been dubbed with that tag, you know, would would Burnley have been taken over? Probably not, because there's not that you know security, if you like, um, for a potential investor. Um, you know that like right, okay, we know that you're going to be a Premier League club, but because Burnley have um, consistently stayed in the Premier League for a few years, um, I think it's made any kind of takeover a bit more attractive. Um, so, yeah, do I see Sheffield United staying up? Probably not, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, last season they were a massive breath of fresh air to everybody in the in the league. Um, and, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, is it that second season syndrome? Perhaps, but this is very, very drastic. Um, so, yeah, I think the the drastic nature in it. I know I mentioned earlier, didn't have the best project restart, but then you kind of park it and then go, right, new season, let's go. Um, let's run with it and let's go hit it um, if you like. But yeah, it's, it's, this has been probably the hardest drop off um, in, in comparisons of, of seasons between two seasons that I've certainly seen. So yeah, I think unfortunately Sheffield United look, look kind of dead and buried really. Well, let's just wait and see, see yes. what happens. You yeah. mentioned some great examples in terms of great escapes, and I personally love a great escape. I always root for the underdog. So, yeah, it is a shame with what happened last season. You mentioned the drop-off being, I think that for me, I agree in terms of the biggest drop-off I've seen in terms of the amount. Of, I think they, they garnered uh, 50, 
So 54 points. They got a 54 mm. points last year. They only have five. That's a mass. That's nearly fifth. That is, uh, yeah. Um, we'll just wait and see. Um, but I personally think they'll also go down too. So um, thank you, Wes, for your, your opinion, your insight. Um, before we go, uh, as you know, uh, me being the host is always going to be a little bit up my sleeve to test your knowledge. Uh, so there is another quiz uh, for an episode hosted by Nelson. So for those of you tuning in at home, uh, if you'd like to join us, uh, feel free to get a pen and paper. Uh, I've got 10 questions ready for Wes. Feel free to join and let's see how much you get compared to Wes. Wes, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Great. So this quiz is uh, on the topic of what we've done today, Sheffield United and also Chris Barter. So uh, we'll begin with question number one. Mm-hmm. So Wes, uh, where is Chris Wilder's hometown? Sheffield. I've got, three, I've got three options, but it seems like you've gone straight in. Yeah, dived um, in two-footed straight away. <laughs> for, for those people at home, I have three options. You've got A, Leeds, you've got B, Sheffield, or you've got C, Bournemouth. Wes has gone with Sheffield B, and that is the correct answer. So Chris Wilder, Sheffield lad himself. Uh, but yeah, the answer is B, Sheffield. Um, we've got another uh, multiple choice for question number two. Uh, how many times has Chris Wilder as manager been promoted? Is it A, three times, B, five times, or C, four times? Oh, that's tough. That's a tough one. I'm going to go with four. So we mentioned earlier he had stints at Bury, Oxford, Northampton and Sheffield. Uh, for those of you who put B5, that is the wrong answer. Uh, anybody who put C along with Wes four times, that is correct. Yeah. Chris Wilder has been promoted four times. One with Oxford, uh, once with Northampton, and twice with Sheffield United. So just drop my little quiz book there. No. Um, but yeah, uh, four times. The answer is C, four. Well done. Uh, question number three. I mentioned earlier in the episode, for those of you listening, that Sheffield United last summer spent 56 million. So, Wes, um, who, somebody somebody joined uh, Sheffield United that summer and became their club record signing. Uh, who was that signing? Um, was it Moussa? It wasn't, it's not Moussa. I can give you another try. Oh, no. Their record uh, signing. It's record record signing. Sheffield United club record. Oh, just, was, meant, so is it off the? It's, okay, yeah, it's got to be Brewster. Correct. The answer is yeah. Rian Brewster. Yeah. Club record signing, twenty-four million. Um, for those you put Rian Brewster, that is also correct. I obviously allowed where's another game. Technically got that wrong, but you know, <laughs> test that knowledge out. Um, so well done to anybody else who put Rian Brewster. Uh, question number four: Who is currently? Sheffield United's top scorer this season with five goals. David McGoldrick. That is correct. David McGoldrick is the correct answer. Five goals. Uh, maybe we t- you mentioned recruitment. Maybe another thing they I personally feel like they need is a reliable goal scorer. I don't think you can rely on someone like McGoldrick. I can't remember how many Moussa got last season, but I think it was below 10. So, you know, you mentioned someone like Danny Ings, when Southampton were in a bad run of form, scored over 20 goals. So I think that's the kind of thing Sheffield United should look at. So question number four, the answer is David McGoldrick, top scorer. Uh, Question number five. How many losses have Sheffield United accumulated this season? Carl, hold on. No multiple choice, just a random number that they've played 19 games. How many have they lost out of that? 15. Oh, I think you missed your sweet 16, son. The answer is 16 losses. 16 losses. Just one. That was a very good guess. Very good guess. Uh, For anybody who put 16 losses, well done. That is another uh, correct answer for you. Uh, But unfortunately for Wes, he got that answer wrong. The answer is 16 losses. Uh, Moving on. Question number six. Uh, this one is a general uh, Premier League question, but it relates to uh, Sheffield United's current situation. 
what is the Premier League record for the lowest number of points in a season? I believe that it goes to Derby County with 11 and the season was 07-08, I believe. Wow. If I had to offer bonus points, then my man Wes would have got all bonus <laughs> points correct. Well done. Uh, that team, uh, the, the record is 11 points. If anybody put down 11 points, you can take that correct for you. Uh, but some bonus, po- bonus uh, bits that Wes put in there. Derby County had a team that accumulated the most, uh, the lowest amount of points, and they did it in the 07-08 season. That was spot on. We're talking 180 darts special. Uh, well done. So, question number seven. Multiple choice. Uh, what year were Sheffield United formed? Is it A, 1889, B, 1806, or C, 1905? A. That is correct. A, 1889 is the year that Sheffield United were formed. I think one of the oldest clubs in English football. Um, So whoever put 1889, well done, that is correct. Um, We move on to question number eight. Uh, This is not a multiple choice question, but how many first division slash Premier League titles uh, have Sheffield United won in their lifetime? um, This will be interesting. Um, I don't even know that they potentially have, um, but if they have, it must have been a very, very small number. I'm going to go one. Wow. Something's on with you today. <laughs> that is the correct answer. The answer is one. They've only won one first division title. They haven't won anything since the Premier League was formed in 1992, but yes, one title, first division title. Uh, well done for those who put that correct. We've got two questions left. Uh, before we uh, add up the scores. Um, Where's question number nine. What is the name of Sheffield United's ground? Um, Bramall Lane. Correct. Bramall Lane is the correct answer. For those who put Bramall Lane, that is correct. Anything other than that, then, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. But uh, Bramall Lane is the correct answer. Uh, you ready for the last question? I think you might like this one. Go this for it. Hit me with it. Last question. Question number 10, guys, uh, listen along. This one's a bit of a tricky one. For for those Premier League purists, I think you might enjoy this question. So, in 1992, in the inaugural Premier League season, which Sheffield United player scored the first ever Premier League goal? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, So, as you mentioned, Premier League purists, um, if you are not a fan of Premier League years, then, you know, what are you doing uh, with your life? (laughs) Um, So, the answer is Brian Dean. Well done. The answer is Brian Dean. First ever player to score a Premier League, uh, to score the first Premier League goal. Uh, The fixture was on August the 15th, 1992, against... The, winner, the, uh, the team who's won the most Premier League titles in Manchester United. Uh, the game ended 2-1. Dean scored two that game. So, well done for you who got Brian Dean. Uh, let's just quickly add up Wes's scores as I get back to him. So, he had Sheffield United. Question one correct. Four. The transfer one, unfortunately, got that one wrong. Uh, yeah, you, I'll, you yeah, I'll allow that one. Got McGoldrick correct, yeah. Uh Question number six for anybody, record for the lowest points was 11. Wes got that correct. Question number seven, what year was the club formed? Uh, that was A, 1889. Uh, how many first division titles? I don't know how Wes got that one, but that was one. That was correct. Uh, Ground, Bramble Lane, and Brian Dean. So, Wes, I can reveal to you that uh, you got a total of eight out of ten. Well done, 80%. Decent. Decent. Which was, I think, your last score as well on the, the other Coaches Insight episode we did uh, for Frank Lampard. So that was 80%. So seems like you've got a consistent score there. Let's see if you can, you know, get another consistent score, even beat that score. So well done. Uh, everybody else, check your scores at home. If you did beat Wes, congratulations. Um, if you didn't, don't worry. There's another quiz uh, further down along the line uh, for WM32 Football Podcast. That is it for today's episode. Thank you for joining myself and Wes uh, as we just uh, talked about everything 
Sheffield United and Chris Wilder. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave a like on our YouTube channel and please subscribe to us as well. Uh, also follow us on our other social media platforms at WM32 Football. Uh, uh, football, yes. And don't forget, I mentioned earlier, the shop is now live and direct, as AJ Tracy would say. Feel free, wm32football.com slash shop to get your merchandise. Uh, Thank you, Wes, for today's episode. Thank you. Uh, And thank you for everyone for joining us. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next time. No problem. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.